the time of God's faithful. Now is the day of salvation. Turn us again, O God, of our salvation, that the light of your face may shine May your justice shine like the sun, and may the Lord be lifted Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Holy and gracious God, I confess that I have sinned against you this day. Some of my sin I know, the thoughts and words and deeds of which I am ashamed. But some is known only to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask forgiveness. Deliver and restore me, that I may rest in peace. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In His stead and by His command, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rest now in His peace. Amen. Scripture, the Old Testament lesson from the 31st chapter of Jeremiah, verses 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like that covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand 
to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle lesson from the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, verses 29 through 32. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do and they cast lots to divide his garments. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies, protect me from those who In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Leave me not, O Lord my God. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who against me. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my
with the catechetical confession. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. And so we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, the 17th century British author James Howell once said, words are the ambassadors of the soul. Indeed they are. Words are agents Words are the heralds of our heart's desire. Sometimes that's for better, other times it's for worse. But that is exactly what our words do, isn't it? Our words make known to others what lies deep within us. Think about it. Words, sometimes because they are so few in number, can reveal 
a heart heavy with sadness or grief. Words also make known the soul that's light with delight. Words betray the soul that's heavy with guilt, and they don't easily keep hidden that heart that's in love. Indeed, they are the sent representatives of our inner thoughts and our emotions and our cares. James Howell was right when he said it. Words are the ambassadors of the soul. In the coming weeks, we'll keep this well in mind. For during the season of Lent, we will, in these Wednesday evening services of prayer and and preaching, we'll consider the, the, the words of our Lord Jesus, his agents, of his heart. Now certainly, while any word of his is well worth considering and, and does certainly bring to us what lies deep within the heart of God, we consider in these coming weeks the words, the very words that he chose to utter with his dying breath. For are there other words that a man would have mean so much as these, his dying words? Is there another time when we would choose our words so carefully as when our words, like our breaths, are numbered? Many of you know that from firsthand experience, personally in your own lives. Perhaps the words that you chose to speak to a loved one as that loved one was dying. I was intimately reminded of it just a few weeks ago as I had the chance to talk with my grandfather on the day that he died. There are perhaps few other words exchanged in life that mean as much as the words that we would speak with our dying breath. And so, in the coming weeks, we consider those very, very special words of our Lord. The words of his, the ambassadors that he chose to send to us. The words that he chose to utter with his dying breath. Tonight, being this the first week of our five-week Lenten series, it's fitting that we consider his first words that he spoke to us from the cross. The first words that would bear to us and represent to us the heart and the very soul of this one who speaks them. St. Luke records these words for us from the cross. You heard them reported to you tonight. These are the words that serve as our sermon texts. Luke writes, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, or the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right hand, and the other on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What words? What first words? What first words they are. Ambassadors are they. Words that reveal to us the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who even while they're hanging in the stead of mankind. Put there by mankind. Yet he pleads for pardon on behalf of mankind. Father, he says, forgive them. Note this well with his words, friends. He didn't curse his executioners which, well, probably was the common language of the condemned. He didn't hurl words of insult at the passers-by who looked upon him and his undue shame, and there they wagged their finger at him and they shook his head, their heads at him. Note that neither did he send words of ridicule 
and condemnation down upon those standing below who certainly were sending their words of ridicule and, and condemnation up towards him. None of these things he did with his words. But rather his words confirm what his nail-pierced hands and feet and his thorn-encircled brow already tell us of his heart. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. And if you want to know the, the heart of the Father, then look at the word that he sent. Look at the word made flesh. Hanging on Calvary's cross, see the ambassador of the Father, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he spared not his own son. That's his word to you. That's his heart. In fact, it's in a a hymn that you know well, O bless the Lord my soul. The last verse of that hymn sums it up so well for us, the heart of the Father. It goes this way, his works and his laws and his ways he made by Moses known, but showed the world his loving heart in Christ his only son. Father, forgive them. Those are heart-revealing words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. Now, no doubt that was true of the Roman soldiers there, who very probably didn't realize, despite the regal title that he wore, simply probably didn't realize just who in the world it was that they were mocking, who it was they were torturing, who it was that they were executing as they coldly and they mechanically carried out their marching orders. But there is no innocence and ignorance. And are we any less guilty than those rugged Roman hands when we would rather blindly march to the, the drum of the world ignorant? And so often content to be ignorant, ignorant not knowing what we do, not knowing just how our Lord would have his redeemed sons and daughters live, not knowing how he would have us speak to one another, or not knowing how he would have us think of one another, or live with one another, or forgive one another, or bear painstakingly with one another, just as God in Christ, as we heard in that epistle reading, just as God in Christ has been so loving and forgiving of us and painstakingly born with us, knowing not the grave consequences of sin in general, in, of our sins in particular, we tend to think on it all, all too lightly, don't we? We know not what we do. We know not what damage we've done. And it's certainly true even of us Christians, just as those soldiers, for instance, didn't appreciate the word and the work of God that was right there before them on that day. So also we tend to underappreciate, and I mean all of us, we tend to, to underappreciate and undervalue the eternal significance of of the word of God that's before us even here today. And the work that our Lord is doing, the eternal work of, of eternal significance that he's working in us here tonight. The word each and every time we hear it or, or read it or receive it wrapped up in the sacrament there. We know not what we do and how true that is of us Christians. 
Because of that old nature in us continually urging us to march to that, that unchristian beat, we so often find ourselves knowing not what we do, even when we well should know what we do and what we are to do. So often, though, don't we feel like St. Paul? St. Paul, who describes it so well in the book of Romans, in speaking of this lifelong contention that exists between the new and the spirit-born man in us that yearns to do what God would have us do. The contention between that spirit-born man and the old sinful nature in us which always and ever until it finally dies on our last day yearns to do that which God does not want us to do. Paul describing that lifelong contention in Romans. Don't we so often feel like him when he writes, for what I am doing I do not understand, he says, We know not what we do. For what I will do, or what I will to do, he says, according to the new man, what I will to do, that I do not do, I do not practice, and what I hate, that I do. We know not what we do. But his dying words tell us plainly that Christ Jesus knew exactly what he was doing there on the cross. Father, Forgive them. They know not what they do. An intimate prayer. Intimate words. Spoken between the eternal and beloved Son of God and His eternally loving Father. Words made known to us precisely so that we may know even here today what's in the heart of God. The Son, with His thoughts and His words and His deeds, with His own blood, the Son of God pleads pardon for us. And the Father forgives us. How can you be sure? Take His word for it. Take His word for it. For he left his word there on the cross to become our sin for us, to know for us the punishment of sin, that we, the forgiven, need never, ever know. And now risen to life, Christ Jesus, he now lives to make intercession for us still. To this very day, in this very hour, indeed to this very minute that we sit here, the Son of God is risen And at the right hand of the Father, pleading. And forever and forever invoking the blood that he once shed on the cross. His blood ever pleading our forgiveness and the Father ever forgiving. The Father ever true to his word. With his dying breath, our Lord chooses these very words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My friends, these indeed, they're words to live by. And they are most certainly words to die by. When the great Western Church Father Augustine of the 5th century, a bishop in northern Africa, when he was near death and his strength was ebbing away, he pleaded with one of his friends to paint on the wall opposite his bed, The words of the 32nd Psalm. And you might well know these words. Blessed is the man whose transgressions 
are forgiven, whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And the dying Augustine, he lay there gazing at those words, clinging to those words as the darkness closed in upon him. But I ask you, are there better words to cling to in life and in death than the words of our Lord? I say not. For when all is said and all is done, there is no other word that remains but his. A unique testament to that lasting word of God sits not far from New York City. In the shadow of that great metropolis, there's a cemetery. And within that cemetery, there's a peculiar grave marker. And on that headstone, that peculiar headstone is etched but one single word. And the word is forgiven. That's it. Forgiven. There's nothing else. No name, no date of birth, no date of death, no words of praise for the departed. Just that one single and solitary word. Forgiven. And yet what other word would be more fitting than this one? Because forgiven is how we stand. It's how we stand in life. And it's how we stand with our dying breath. Forgiven because the Father has in word and in deed forgiven us completely in his Son. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In our lives, day in and day out, at work or at school, in faith and in love, let these be the words that we live by and words which ease us when we too would draw our dying breath. Father, forgive them. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We stand and sing the post-sermon hymn.
Heavenly Father, in loving kindness, you sent us your word in the flesh, your Son, Jesus Christ, for the redemption of the world throughout these weeks of Lent and in all of our lives, we ask that you would keep our eyes fixed upon Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who did, for the joy set before him, endure the cross. May we ever recognize his precious words and therein recognize your loving heart. And in his precious wounds, there find refuge from our guilt and in the means of grace, the forgiveness of all of our sins that we may have life and have it everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, forgive us, for so often we know not what we do. By your Holy Spirit, keep us in your word that we may know your will for us and be guarded from the tempter and his enticements, lest we fall in life and in death. Help us to live by the dying words of your Son, who pleaded for our forgiveness, and help us to forgive others, even as we have been forgiven, and lead us always to find solace and assurance and the knowledge that in Christ we stand forgiven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Christ, the life of all the living, the healer of souls and bodies, extend your hand of healing and touch those among us who are sick and suffering, those recovering from infirmity or injury or those preparing for surgery. We think especially tonight of the sister of Karen Lehman who is suffering with cancer. We ask your special blessings upon her. We ask, too, that you bless our sister in Christ, Marna Anderson, in her illness, and Paul DeWell, our brother in Christ, in his, Chris Hines, and so many others among us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Assure them all of your daily presence and care, and grant that they might be restored to health according to your will. Move us out of compassion for them to reach out to them and assist them as we can. Encouraging them through our concerns expressed, our prayers offered, and the compassion shown toward them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, whose guiding hand has brought us to the completion of this day, we humbly pray you to stay with us and shelter us in quiet hours of the night, that we who are wearied by the changes of this passing world may rest in your changeless peace. Hear us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things, let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.